0: Because the whole, the biggest issue we see here in chapter 18 is an extraordinary, um, extraordinary revealing of the kind of relationship that Abraham had with God before the days of the Spirit being indwelling, and so we have even more than, um, than he had. So we'll get to that be our main point, but first of all, uh, let me list some things I could talk about today. So we could talk about the generosity of Abraham at the beginning of chapter 18. These these people turn up who he's never met before. And uh, he insists that they stay and have a meal with him. And I find this very inspiring about Abraham, his generosity, because he it would have been totally appropriate to provide a meal, but he provides a feast. The amount of uh, wheat and everything involved here is huge. He is... A, he is he is planning on providing a meal that would fill their plates several times over. And he could have provided a, um, a small animal. But he, the calf, a calf or a bull in other translations, is like the sort of thing you would slaughter for a royal guest. And he doesn't know who they are. So we've got this incredible generosity. And we are reminded that being a follower of Jesus is to be somebody who is generous with hospitality as best we can, even in these times. Um, some have entertained angels without realizing in hebrews chapter 13 and uh, that seems to be what's happening here in a sense so his generosity and i've been very grateful for the generosity of my parents friends who've been helping us out my own family but also you you people here uh you know danny and becky won't like me to mention it but you know it's still thank you for the meal you cooked for us which we ate last night and it was awesome and uh if i could put in a repeat order Uh, That'd be great. Uh, Not not the Penny's cooking isn't isn't. I'm going to get in trouble now. Okay, I'll I'll leave that there. It was a wonderful meal. And thank you for cooking that for us. And thank you for the haircut I received. And thank you for uh, this morning. Raph and Zach came around this morning and uh, brought me these uh, some gluten free brownies and uh, and Penny got a brownie or, or some kind of cake as well. I asked Zach whether I should eat this brownie before church or after. And he whispered after. So it's still sealed. And so I'm going to hold on to it till after we're done. Uh, but thank you, Raph and Zach. Thank you, for Charlotte Bronwyn, uh, for that too. Um, this kind of generosity is what Christianity is about in so many ways. Let's find ways to be generous. Who could you be generous to this week? And we could talk about that, but we're not going to talk about that today. Uh, we could talk about divine... Tolerance because Sarah laughs right and she he gets uh, she gets the promise and she laughed am I worn I'm worn out my lord is old how will I have this pleasure but you see the way that the lord does not rebuke Sarah here because presumably it's not the kind of doubt that is injurious to her relationship with God we'll talk more about doubt in a minute um, she sees the impossible is promised and she- her response is to laugh sometimes that's how we feel When we try to live our Christian lives in this world, it seems impossible. It's almost laughable that we could be Christians in today's society. But uh, it's okay. God is with us. You might remember in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus said about the girl that she would be healed and people laughed at him. What an irony that the one who created laughter is laughed at because he knows something to be possible that others think is impossible. I wonder how often God might chuckle to himself when we think something is impossible, but he knows it to be. Possible. Anyway, we could talk about that, but we're not going to. Uh, we could talk about chapter 19, about Lot, and uh, I wish we have more time, but we, we don't, but I will just mention this, that we could talk about the fact that pressure perverts priorities. As we see that what happens in chapter 19 is that the angels arrive to rescue Lot and they go into his house and there's a kerfuffle outside and people are trying to break the door down they want to get hold of these men and Lot goes outside and says I tell you what you can't have my guests but you can have my daughters do with them what you like it's a pretty strange bizarre scenario and in the end the angels smite the men outside the door with blindness and um, and then they say come on let's go and Lot, Lot's so hesitant we see that pressure perverts pervert priorities. Uh, Lot used to be at Abraham's side then he's living near Sodom and now he's living in Sodom and the world has in he's kind of adopted the values of the world. It's a good warning for us that though we live in the world we are not to be of the world. That's why we need God's Word, it's why we need our relationship with God in prayer, it's why we need our community to help us. Lot had no community like we had the privilege of sharing in here. So uh, we could talk about that, but we won't. And we could talk about the dangers of doubting God. Uh, The angels say, go to the mountains, and then Lot says, oh, I I can't can't make it, Uh, let me go to Zoar. It's just a little place, I can go there, right? And they just say, OK. And then, and on the way, Lot's wife turns back and, and, and she's turned into a pillar of salt and all of whatever that means is a bit difficult to describe. But nonetheless, it's obviously problematic. And, and we just see that he, Lot, Lot gives into his doubts here about what he can do, God can do. And he tries to compromise all over the place. I'd say this, having, having doubt is not a problem. Expressing our doubts is not blasphemous. It's okay to be doubting in that sense. I think what's tragic is when doubt is used to argue ourselves out of obedience. When our doubts are what we use to argue ourselves out of doing what is right, then we get into more problems. And that's what happens with Lot because we see, we could talk about it, we don't have time, but we see in the end that Lot's life is defined by greed and fear. And the consequences of greed and fear is what we see at the end of chapter 19 when his daughters conspire to get him drunk has sex with him incestuously and and have and conceive children by him i mean this is the nephew of abraham the father of all the blessings for the whole of humankind and he was right by his side he was appears to have been chosen by him to travel together and yet in separating himself he reaps the consequences of being dominated by his greed because he wanted the best land and his fear his fear of not going to the he should have gone to the mountains when he was told to anyway we don't have time to talk about that uh so we won't talk about any of that instead we'll talk about what happens when we walk in the presence of God when we walk in the presence of God because this is what Abraham does and this is what he's commended for is walking in the presence of God we saw that in chapter 17 And when we walk in the presence of God, we begin more and more as time goes by to understand the heart of God and to connect with the heart of God. I found this recently with my mother's passing away that I obviously knew my mother very well. um, But in being down at my parents' house and clearing things away and sorting things out, I've come to know things about my mother I never knew before. And there's always more to, to learn about a person, but there's also always more to learn about God, more to fall in love with about God, more to be amazed at with God, more to be inspired about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. And so as we as we go through the Christian life, we see like Abraham did in his life, that we get deeper and deeper into understanding the heart of God. And as we do that, then our life is transformed. And I'd just like to mention two points today that I see here that have moved me in thinking about this over the last little while. The first is that when we, when we understand more deeply who God is, we're more comfortable with allowing him and only him to be the legitimate judge. The legitimate judge of what is right and what is wrong what behavior is right, what behavior is wrong. Who has in a sense got that connection with him right and who yet has yet to do so. We're more comfortable with God as the legitimate judge as we come to know him better. Many people are put off the idea of who God might be or, or him coming to know God by the idea that they feel that He's dictatorial and he just arbitrarily uh, destroys people. And of course, you know, in chapter 19, we see one of the classic passages that worry people. Now, here is God destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. And we don't know exactly where that is, by the way. It's still not archaeologically been found, although we have reasonable, we know roughly where it is around the uh, the Dead Sea. But uh, it's but destroyed. And all the people destroyed the men, the women, presumably the children, presumably all the animals. And we have a problematic passage here. And one of the things that happens as we get to know God is we get to be more at peace with allowing him, not that we have to allow, really need to allow him, but to in our hearts, allow him to be the one to make the judgments that we're not equipped to make. One of the things that happened to me um, down uh, at my parents' place after my mother died. Um, one of the things that really saved me in a sense was my daily uh, prayer walks. And they've been, um, they've been the thing that have kept me connected to God and, and as, as uh, rational or as um, held together as I might be. Uh, it's, it's that time with, with God in prayer. And of course, those, some of you have been to my parents' and you, and you, or place and you know the countryside around it. It is gorgeous, lovely Kent countryside. And one of the things that happened on one of my prayer walks is I was reflecting on the new things I'd learned about my mother. As we did some clearing out of um, some things. And it, she has a, a, a what looks a bit like a cupboard, but it's her sort of little office. And she'd sit in there for hours at a time uh, as she got more and more disabled and unable to move around but she'd be on her computer designing birthday cards and anniversary cards and wedding uh, you know congratulations cards she'd design her own cards and print them off and they're very quirky and funny it's a bit of a family tradition and uh, she'd uh, do other things in there on the computer and she learned languages. My mother was a Francophile, uh, spoke French well enough where French people would think she was French. Uh, they, my mum my and dad went on holiday to France quite frequently and they go to French restaurants and, the, and they go to the ones in the back streets, not the touristy ones. And the people there would not know they weren't French. My dad's French is pretty good too. Um, but she learned French to a very high standard. She also learned some Spanish, which I knew, but going through her book, she's, she had, it's hard to describe, you can imagine behind me my bookshelf there right so you can see suppose you're watching the video my that bookshelf back there which has mostly commentaries on it imagine that full of school exercise books you teachers know what i'm talking about and you pupils right you remember the those school exercise books imagine all those shelves full of exercise books and they my mother had at least that many exercise books filled with french vocabulary spanish vocabulary in her own hand writing out um uh what's it called when you when you're doing a verb is it declensions of a verb i can't remember this stuff now some language conjunctions, conjunctions? Con- Conjugations. Conjugate. Conjugate. Is it? conjugate conjugating conjugating conjugate. thank you conjugating verbs excellent okay so there's pages and pages of her with vocabulary, A, B, C, D, E, and then conjugating the verbs and then phrases incorporating that particular word in a sentence in Italian, in French, in German. I didn't know she studied German and it, and I didn't know she studied Italian as well as French. There's books, there's dictionaries everywhere. I mean, she had probably 10 French dictionaries. I don't know why you'd need 10, but at, I think 10. She had CDs with French speaking on it she had open university stuff she had she studied a degree in the open university she still had her old, all her old tapes uh from her ou days back in the that would have been back in the late in the 70s and videos and vhs yes and cds and i mean st stacks and stacks and and all the minutes from the parish church council meetings where she used to be the secretary for donkey's years and little chant and i can't begin to tell you how much stuff there was there and then sewing materials i mean penny uh, helped sort through um all kinds of fabrics and sewing materials and 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 linens and wool and i i mean I, I could go on for quite a long time about all the stuff in this tiny little room that we were sorting out as well as other parts of the house. And as I looked at that and also some souvenirs she had and at uh, some other documents we had to go through because of the death certificate and stuff like that, we went into some cupboards we hadn't been into for donkey's years and dust piled high on on old suitcases and boxes. I went out to pray that day after all this and I thought, I knew my mother well. I knew her as possibly only a son can know her. And we were quite close. But there's so much about my mother I didn't know. So much detail I didn't know. Maybe maybe there's a lot more I didn't know than I did know. And it's being there and seeing this brought me face to face with, I knew my mother, but I didn't know all of, all of her, all of who she has been in this life and it made me think about judgment that i'm in no position to judge my mother if i mean i know i knew my mother most better than almost anybody else in this world i'm in no position to judge her even though i knew her so well because i realized actually there's so much i didn't know and it made me gave me pause to think about how how much a stronger tendency i have and perhaps some of us here share this tendency to pass judgment on people who we really don't know, and especially regarding people's eternal destiny. Only God can judge that. And So I suspect in this situation with Sodom and Gomorrah, that although we, we balk at this idea that God would see it as a right thing to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, I think we have to say that if we were present, And if we fully knew and understood the heart of God at that point, at that time, knowing what he knew, if we knew what he knew, surely our only conclusion could be that he'd made the right judgment. If we knew what he knew. And since we don't know what he knew, and we can't know what he knew, we have to trust. Because only God is capable. Only God has known my mother every minute of every day of her life only he has known her he's known her longer than my dad my dad's known her 67 years god's known her longer my dad lived with her for 62 years of marriage god has known her more deeply and longer than that only god can judge and i think the thing that that's helpful for in many ways is firstly it helps us not to be uh, to look down on other people And which may then help us to draw closer to people rather than stand in judgment. And when you stand in judgment over somebody, it creates a barrier. Only God is able to be the judge. So therefore, there doesn't have to be a barrier between me and any individual, even if they're very different from me, even if their values are very different from me. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. I think this, this thought has brought me comfort to know that God is in, my mother, for example, is in God's hands and I can trust him to make accurate and fair judgment because he absolutely knows everything and I don't and that takes pressure off me and gives me comfort and perhaps it might you as well only God can make that kind of of judgment I don't have doubts about my mother's eternal destiny in my own assessment because I I knew her well about her faith and I I I trust that she will be with God forever I think that's I think that's going to happen I think that's the uh I think that is the situation. But whatever my opinion about anybody, God will make a fair judgment. And he is the only one that can do so. So that's the first thing um, I see here and I've been thinking about over the last little while. The second thing I see in this situation is that God cares about everyone. He cares about everyone. Do you notice how Abraham here starts this prayer? He starts it very humbly. Uh, you know, he talks about himself being dust and ashes. Um, Where's that part? He says in chapter 18. Uh, da, da, da. Dust and ashes. Where are you, dust and ashes? There, verse 27. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if? And so he's, Abraham understands he's not God. He, he's very humble. But he's also very bold. And when we understand the heart of God, I think it helps us to be humble in our approach to God, but also bold. Who is Abraham to talk to God like this, to say, hang on, don't destroy it. What if there are only 50? That's a really bold thing to say to God, isn't it? We might not think so, so much because we're used to reading this passage, but think about it, who is Abraham? He knows he's dust and ashes, but he says, "What? well, what about 50? God says, okay, for the sake of 50. And then we see this countdown to 45, all the way all the way down to 10 which is bold and then it struck me who is abraham praying for he's not praying for israelites i mean l- l- not that there are israelites technically at this point but the chosen people of god abraham's seed although lot is there but he's not praying he's praying for the whole city or the two cities he's praying if there were just 50, if there were just 40, if there were just 30, he's praying for those who aren't of the chosen people of God. And Abraham has understood something about God, that God is choosing Abraham and his, his descendants to be the blessing to the world, but God does not only care about him and his descendants, he cares for everybody. And so it made me think about my own prayers. My prayers are very much focused on uh, the Watford Church, in terms of intercession, friends in Thames Valley, other people I know, my own family, obviously, particularly right now. But how much do I pray for people very different from me? i really different. The Canaanites were not the chosen. Very different. In fact, think about this. He's praying for people. He's asking God to spare people. He's effectively praying for people who disgust God these are people who are so beyond the pale that God has said the only solution is to utterly destroy them and yet Abraham understands something deep in the heart of God that even Abraham even God in this situation that God would still want to find some redeeming quality some way to not enact this judgment Abraham is tapping into that and praying for people that disgust the God of the universe That's quite something. How much time do you and I pray for people, spend praying for people who disgust us, who really annoy us? I see a lot of posts, I'm not saying from Watford, but I see a lot of posts online on Facebook from people of Christian faith who post very disparaging things about politicians. Possibly the politicians deserve it on some level, okay? I'm not gonna make a political point here. But I don't see the same people posting, I've been begging God for the soul of that politician. See, even the people that disgust God or might disgust us are still people we should be praying for. That's what I see here. It reminds us maybe of the Matthew 15 passage where the Canaanite woman, a Canaanite, a Canaanite woman comes to Jesus and says, My daughter needs healing. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, the dogs. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, you know, and and not the dogs. And the Canaanite woman says, well, even the dogs get the crumbs, right? And Jesus says, whoa, okay. Wow, that's, I believe, that's faith. Okay, and so he heals her child. And we see there, Jesus knowing his main mission at that point. But the woman understands this is someone who has the heart of God, who wants all people to be healed, all people to be helped. I wonder whether for myself and for many of us, whether we're too restrictive in who we pray for, too restrictive in who we reach out to with the Christian message, looking for people to like us already instead of very, very unlike us. Abraham is a man of humility and boldness, willing to pray even for those that must disgust God, but surely also, also are not the kind of people that Abraham would want to be hanging around with either god is the only legitimate judge and he cares about everyone in the end god doesn't really directly answer abraham's prayer because he can't find 10 so sodom and gomorrah are still destroyed and yet perhaps god does even more that abraham was asking for in prayer because he rescues lot he rescues lot sends those angels And they go in and rescue Lot and his family Uh, in some ways against Lot's own judgment or will it seems at times he has to they have to hold his hand and pull him out of the city. So in verse 27 of chapter 19 imagine being Abraham here. Early the next morning Abraham got up and returned to the place where he had stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah toward all the land of the plain and he saw Dense smoke rising from the land, like smoke from a furnace. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, and this is a key phrase, he remembered Abraham. He remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew the cities where Lot had lived. He remembered Abraham. Only four people made it out of the city. Lot, his wife, and the two daughters. it wasn't ten, but God remembered Abraham. He respected Abraham's heart, and but and remember doesn't mean he'd forgotten Abraham. It's more in in the in scriptural thinking. Remembered means ha- had a connection with and paid attention to, and he knew what Abraham, what would delight Abraham, and what would delight Abraham would be the rescue of his family, and so God rescued abraham's family he in in a sense got more than he actually asked for isn't it good to be remembered don't you like it when people remember you i feel very remembered right now very remembered i've uh, been feeling very remembered for the last couple of weeks um and uh it's been very very moving to me excuse me uh I have lost count. I gave up counting how many messages I received when my mother was ill, when she died, also my, my birthday uh, recently. Uh, so many WhatsApp messages, text messages, voicemails, uh, calls, uh, Facebook posts, um, LinkedIn. Um, I don't know. So many cards. You can see a lot behind me. Uh, cards all over the house. Uh, thank you to those. so many of you sent me such lovely notes and cards. Uh, each one moved me um, sometimes also from old friends I'd kind of forgotten about from way back in my previous sort of I don't know 30 40 years ago my one of my old teachers um, I mean all kinds of people it's it's so lovely to be remembered uh, going through my mum's stuff I realized that she had remembered some things um, in her little room I found this I'll show you this uh, i i as soon as I saw it I recognized it. I haven't seen this in let me think for a second i haven't seen this in probably 50 years yeah i think it's about 50 years since i saw this put a little closer to the camera there there you are it's about 50 years since i saw that that was my first ever purse my first pocket money and inside you probably can't read that but it has my name cox and it has 48 Fairlawn which is the address of the house we lived in at the time in Shropshire in Old Brighton Shropshire and my first pocket money was a threepenny bit some of us on this call are old enough to remember what a threepenny bit was and that uh, that was worth about one and a half p today you could equivalent and um i used to put it in this little purse And I take it with me and I buy a Mars bar with it. You could buy a Mars bar for threepence. Of course, it was bigger in those days. I mean, you know, the Mars bars were a lot bigger, uh, as we all know. Or maybe I was just smaller. Um, My mum, I didn't know this still existed. My mum kept it. She remembered me. Isn't that awesome? I've got it back now. Uh, I haven't got a threepenny bit. But, uh, you know, she had this picture. This is embarrassing, but never mind. She had this picture of me uh, in her little office room right there, taken when I was—I think I was ten thereabouts. And yes, Bill, I know I did have more hair then. Yes, it's true. Um, but yeah, so that's that was in her little her little office, and I found in another cupboard. Um, and if you remember, Macano metal Meccano, right? That was one of my hobbies as a little kid, and I've got there's a whole big tin, there's boxes over there of all this Meccano that I'd forgotten I once had that been, she'd been kept kept in a in a little uh, in, a, in a cupboard. I mean, this is the tip of the iceberg, by the way. My mother was a hoarder. I mean, you would not believe. Um, and and then I found I don't I don't have it with me because I left it back at my dad's house, but I, I also found. Uh, a box full of letters that I'd written her when I was at university which is because I don't remember writing and there's a letter there about a, a young girl called Penny I've met who's uh, wonderful and uh, way above my station but never mind uh, you know pray for me mom um, I and she's kept all my letters from uni um, ha- I can't tell you how how amazing it was to feel that remembered um, and of course, it helps me remember her and not just who she is and what she did, but, but what she means to me. That's, that's the point, is that's what remembering in this sense is about. It's remembering what someone means to you, not just the things they've done. And what I see in Abraham here is that he and God have this incredible relationship where Abraham knows what God means to him. And God knows what Abraham means to him. And they have a partnership have a partnership of prayer, of intercession, of begging, of of, uh, of 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 just being together and 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 walking through Abraham's life together. And in doing this together, um, that was why we have all this detail. Why do we have all this detail? We have it because it's a model. A model for us, an inspiration to us that we, you and me, any of us here on this call today, we can all have this kind of intimate relationship with the God of the universe. He remembers you. He cares about everybody. And of course, just to finish off, and we'll take communion. Um, this this remind, this is a foreshadowing of revealing to us. The heart of Jesus because Jesus has this kind of heart he remembers us and and he has the same kind of heart for those who discussed God like Abraham Jesus has the same heart he told us in Matthew chapter 5 verse 44 to pray for your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you gosh that's that's tough right but then what did Jesus do on the cross on the cross he did what he called us to do as he told us that we should pray for those who persecute us for those who oppose us when he was on the cross between those two criminals what does he say in verse 34 of Luke 23 Jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they are doing he prayed for those who killed him that's the heart of and I pray that today that we would have that heart. To pray for those who are so different, whose values we don't share. To pray for those who who are maybe even disgust God. Let God be the only legitimate judge. That's up to him. But let us be the people that offer the good news, the good news. Let's make sure we pray for all because God cares about everyone. Let's remember him let us trust that he remembers us let's walk into in 2021 as we go forward into whatever's coming in the next few months let's walk into a deeper more intimate relationship with God especially in prayer he cares for you he cares for me cares for my mum he cares for every person on this planet let's pray for them and let's pray before we take bread and wine